0: All righty. Good afternoon, everybody. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We are back to talking football. And Wiz, uh, how are you doing today?
1: Yeah, doing, uh, doing, doing well. It's a rainy, uh, rainy Tuesday afternoon in New York City, but uh, it's not going to stop us from uh, talking football and getting people uh, ready for the upcoming season.
0: No, and it's you know it's really coming on very, very quickly. Um, kind of shocking that you know i think probably in about 2 months time we'll we'll be halfway through the uh preseason schedule and yeah a lot of decisions are going to have to be made and you know, we know there's a lot of question marks uh, on a number of key players in the league, but you know, at the same time, there's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of information and a, and a lot of players to kind of sift through. And you know, I think when you when you think about a draft was too right. Like, do you feel like? you And I think we did this last year a little bit as we were kind of going through our preparation don't you feel that there is some kind of sea changes that go on as you're as you're preparing for your drafts and you know maybe you kind of had a, a view on some players when you're coming into the season and it starts to shift I think I think one of those players I, I would I would honestly say for me last year was Aaron Rodgers where towards the end you know right before the season I actually started to shift a little bit because I just felt that momentum had Driven the the direction of uh, interest in Aaron Rodgers in, in in a in a negative direction. I felt that it had gone too far, and, and at the end of the day, it ended up getting me a, a fantasy football title in one year in one league. Excuse me, where I where I drafted Rodgers. But you, you get the sense where you know you kind of have this perception of players you know, here we are, June 22nd, I think it is. And, you know, you have kind of a view, uh, you know, a 10,000 10, foot in the air view of, of how you think the way things play out. But as you kind of move closer, and as you look a little bit more, there are some shifting sands where you maybe kind of think differently about certain players, certain strategies. And, and you know, today we are going to talk a little bit of strategies. We're going to talk snake draft strategies today. But how do you feel just you know, bigger picture, do, do you think, you know, some of the sentiment that you kind of develop early on does it tend to shift or, or are you usually right kind of in your first viewpoint of things and, and, and you kind of held, hold steadfast in those views as you move into your preparation?
1: Yeah, I look at it like a sculpture. And, you know, right now we're at the very start of it and it's probably going to look differently. Um, you know in, in as it, as as september rolls around but yeah i mean uh you start off thinking one way and then you know views change and you take away little pieces like i was using the sculpture analogy and then uh you have uh, you know a different finished product but you know you have to always keep an open mind about these things and uh you know to the point about aaron rogers yeah I, I was not high on the player, but to the point that he went, you know, and what he went for in this auction trip that you talked about, that's, uh, that's, that's that's the sublime and the ridiculous for him that go that little. So you know, players. It's all about value. I mean, you can have a negative view on a player, but his value at a draft can get to the point where it's you must take the player uh, because his his value is so good. Um, and and that's what it's really all about. It's keeping an open mind, and uh, you know, sometimes you may have a negative view on a player or a player Player that you think you don't uh, you like as much as the rest of the fantasy football community, but he falls in your lap because uh, to your Aaron Rodgers point, it gets uh, it gets to the to the ridiculous where he went for next to nothing in an auction draft.
0: Yeah, and I and I would say in, you know today's topic is going to be uh, snake drafts, uh, and, and, but when it gets to the topic of drafts and value, I, I would say the same thing is applicable. You know, in, in that particular draft, it was an auction draft. Uh, got the player for two dollars. Uh, uh, you know, after he was nominated, I said I can't let Aaron Rodgers go for a dollar. I'm I'm going to say two, and then crickets in the room. But but I think the value pro- uh, perspective is is the same in, in a snake draft where certain players. I don't know. I would say like a Matt Ryan this year uh, is a type of player. When I think about it, he's probably a player that's going to fall quite a bit in terms of his value that we've kind of normally see where he's ranked and. You know, if you're sitting there and whatever, the... I don't know tenth, eleventh, twelfth round of a, of a snake draft, and Matt Ryan comes around, and you're kind of looking for a quarterback you don't have one yet. You know, Matt Ryan's a good example of a guy that could definitely exceed kind of where he's viewed right now. Uh, you know, without Julio Jones, I, I, I've seen a few things written about him on how he's performed with him, without him. But you know, we got to remember there's a there's a young, talented rookie there who's going to be held up to some uh, high expectations. But but yeah, value is a, is what it's about, uh, and I think you know one of the things uh, that that does become very clear as you're sitting in a draft room whether it's a snake or an auction draft is you know there there are certain players and especially if if you've gone through a number of rounds in a snake draft or if the amount of money that's left in, in your in your auction draft and there's not much money left and and you just realize that some of these players are just going to fall for like one or two dollars and and that's just the reality of the situation when you're heading into uh in, into a draft.
1: Yeah so let's let's go back to a year ago and you know let's talk to people you know um that covers everyone right the people who have been doing this for a long time, the people who have been doing it for a few years and really want to be more involved, and people who are starting out. So quickly, why don't you just give a description and a definition of a snake draft. How many teams usually partake in it? And just give, uh, you know, I guess, uh, before we get into more specifics, like just a quick definition of what a snake draft is.
0: Yeah, so uh, usually they're they're played in leagues of, of 10 to 12 participants. Uh there could be leagues where there's uh, 14 or 16 teams, but generally speaking, the, the leagues that I play in, t- 10 to 12 participants, uh, normally you're allocated a draft spot. Sometimes that's randomly chosen by a computer if it's done, in, uh, done done on computer. Sometimes it's pulled out of a hat to determine what your draft position is going to be. In some leagues, I know, and you like this, that when you get picked, let's say you're picked with the first pick out of a hat and the number comes up one, it doesn't mean that you have to take that first position. You get to choose your spot on where you want to draft. So there's a number of different ways it could be set up, and and it could be done, like I said, randomly by a computer. Um, And and a snake draft basically is just what what it looks like. It's the shape of an S, where uh, the player who is picking number one uh, will, will, will have to wait his or her turn, and let's say it's a 12-team league, he picks, uh, he or she picks number one. It winds around uh, through the room or through the draft board, depending on if, if you're doing it online. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10, 11, 12. So everybody takes a player. That player who takes the player at number 12, that player will start the second round with the first pick of the second round and pick 13 and it keeps winding around like a snake I think one thing that we want to point out and I think you made this point to a couple of friends of ours when you do a snake draft so you make it in 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 an area of fairness um, you want everybody having the same level of, of picks so you can't have an odd number of rounds in a snake draft you need to have an even number of rounds so that everybody gets to pick at the top of a round the same amount of times so that's basically the way it works and you have you you have to determine how many roster spots that your league will choose. Uh, You know, in the leagues that we play in, I think it's minimum somewhere between 16 or 18. Uh, We go to leagues for as as many as 20 or 24 players. And and that's the way it works.
1: Yeah, so in a 12-team league, the guy was picking 12th. He then is picking 13th. The guy who picked eleventh, he's picking fourteenth. The guy who's picking tenth is picking fifteenth, and so forth. So you're going up and down, rotating. And we would probably, I don't know. We tried to figure this out, but what, at this point, what would you say? Probably somewhere between two thirds and seventy five percent of leagues. Uh, somewhere probably between sixty five and seventy five percent of leagues are snake drafts. Would you say that's probably about right?
0: Yeah, I, I would concur with that. You know, you and I have been pretty vocal about our love with. Uh, w- with auction draft, uh, the the fun that goes along with it, it'll be a lot more normal this year with COVID and restrictions being lifted and and, and the world normalizing a bit. Last year had its challenges, but but yeah, I would agree with you. with sixty five to seventy five percent of it? You know, a lot of times geographics plays into it. So doing an online rotisserie, uh, you know, snake draft is a lot easier. Uh, time of getting people together. You know, these drafts take take a lot of time. We know this. It's it's painstaking in in, in some instances. So. I think with the benefit of that, some people don't want to sit in a, in a room or go out somewhere for four or five hours. Maybe, maybe the attitudes towards that will be a little bit different uh, this year, especially uh, as we've all been cooped up. But yeah, I, I would I would agree with your numbers. Somewhere in the sixty five to seventy five percent vicinity is is what people are doing snake drafts. I happen to prefer auction drafts, but but I do partake in leagues that do snake drafts, and and I enjoy those leagues just as much. Uh, there's there's definitely some different strategies, and and obviously every player will not. Be available to you in a snake draft just because people are going to be plucking people as, as you, plucking players as you move along. Uh, but nonetheless, it, there's still a lot of fun to be had from from both forms of league. I, you know, for me, my level of preference is definitely an auction draft, but but I have fun with both. <laughs>
1: I mean, I think, you know, going just going before we get into the players, um, you know, if you're in a league of snake draft, you want to, you know, add a little bit of fun to it. So, you know, if you do it online, uh, you know, the, the CBS or ESPN, whatever site you use, they just basically spit out a draft order. But make it a little bit more fun. Have a Zoom meeting with your league or have a few guys get together and put everyone's name in a hat maybe a week before the draft is going to start. And the guy who picks the number one, who gets the number one to his name, like if my name is picked first, I shouldn't have to have the number one pick. I, I want to, you know, do it where it's a little bit more fun. The guy who picks one, he decides where between one and 12 he wants to pick. The guy who picks number two, he takes the next spot where he wants to pick. I mean, I think it's very, very interesting and makes it a little bit more fun and a little bit more strategic than just spinning out the order and, uh, you know, just adds a little bit to it. So let's get to to the specifics of of snake drafts as it pertains to this year. I don't know how many you've done. I've done a few. I've looked at it already, mock snake drafts. And um, it just appears that um, out of the first 16, 18 picks, they're all running backs. And the only two or three players that are not being taken at the running back position are all Kansas City Chiefs. It's either Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, or in some instances, Pat Mahomes. But most of the case, it's either Travis Kelsey or Tyree Kill. And the reason why it's just those two players is because the um, – We were talking about Aaron Rodgers earlier. You know, Devontae Adams would be in that discussion as well. But with the uncertainty of Aaron Rodgers, people are not quite sure what to do. And that's understandable. So let's get to specifics here. Uh, When you look at this, when is it too early, in your opinion, to take either one of those two Kansas City guys Hill or Kelsey, uh, or is there a spot that there isn't too early to take those players? So, you know, you're in the first round, you know, have at it. Tell us what the strategy is about taking two non-running back position players, Kelsey and Hill. And at what point do you think the timing is right for that?
0: Yeah. Well, you're talking about in an offense like the Kansas City Chiefs, and we we expect big things from that offense uh, once again, coming into this season. Uh, look, I, I think it's I think it's a preference situation, and I, and nobody I, obviously you know how big a fan I am of of Patrick Mahomes, and in, in the one league that we partake together in in, in a snake draft, I, I, I you know I, I got sucked in. I didn't want to be uh, left out of the Clyde Edwards Hilaire train, so I, I took Clyde Edwards Hilaire in, in the first round in that draft last year. Uh, certainly paid for that, but when it came time to, in, to the second round, when I had my second pick, and this was a ten, ten person draft, um, I. I I was taking one of those quarterbacks. It was uh, last year going into the draft. It was going to be the Mahomes or or Lamar Jackson. I I had a pretty strong view that 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 player should be Patrick Mahomes at that spot. You know, I think if you're you're committed to a strategy where you're in love with a player like like Patrick Mahomes or in the case of a Travis Kelsey or or a Tyreek Hill who currently looks to be going off as receiver one, look that that's something that that's preference, right? And you got to make a decision. That's part of the strategy now. I would say in most leagues right now, walking into a draft, um, you know, do I understand taking one of those elite tight ends in the, in the second or early third round? Yeah, yeah, I get that because you know there's probably a pretty fair, decent amount of drop after those first couple of guys at tight end, and I'd say the same thing at, at quarterback where you know a player like Mahomes has the ability to be you know the dominating force at the position. Uh, but, but, you know, you, you're going to be left a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of what happens in, in the rest of your draft. And I think you've got to take an assessment of the positions and what you think you can get out of it the rest of the way, you know, for, for someone like you, you and me who've been doing this a while, I, I think we have some confidence in ourselves to, to assess player talent. Uh, we probably don't. Feel that there's a necessity at, in, in some of these drafts to to reach for a Mahomes at least as early as that, and and kind of sit back and take a, a quarterback in, in in the later rounds that that will have a decent season. I would say the same thing at running back. We feel that we can probably extract some value at running back where we don't have to be so crazed about getting two running backs. Because to your point, I've only done two mock drafts. Uh, I have been stunned thus far at, at, at and you know running back is a position that's been. We've discussed this ad nauseum on this podcast. It's 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 changing in, in its in its kind of level of importance and level of production and fantasy. So I have been nothing but shocked at the way my two mock drafts have fallen where I think in the first twenty five picks I think twenty of the players were running backs and that is flabbergasted me at this point in time. I, I don't quite understand it, but that seems the way these mock
1: drafts seem to be going right now, is so, so to Hill and Kelsey specifically, is there a point where it's too early to take them or is there no point where it's too early to take either of those guys yes. who are going, you know, obviously they're going in the first two rounds. Um, Kelsey, I've seen go, you know, Hill, it could be first round, mostly second round, I, I guess, uh, but certainly you know, Kelsey's in that argument. So specifically with the two Kansas City guys, you know, is there a point that it's too early, do you think, to take Kelsey or Hill in a snake draft?
0: So I I would say with with Kelsey, no, just because he is is – so far you know in my opinion just in terms of his level of production above most of the other players at the position whereas Hill I'm I'm less inclined to say so because I think there are a number of receivers even as we go down as low as you know say the you know into the 10 12 13 14 15 that there will not be as as big a difference between Tyreek Hill and those players so I'm not reaching for a Tyreek Hill that early, but I would be reaching, I I would not hesitate to reach for a
1: player like Travis Kelsey. So you're really separating the two. Um, And it's interesting. You know, I look at these, these snake drafts and I see what people are doing over and over and over again. And, to me you know it, it's a perfect opportunity for me to take advantage of in these type of things because you know everyone is just so mechanical and so follow the leaderish, if you will with these snake drafts where it's almost becomes you know robotic that they have to take running back running back with their first two picks and i, I think that really creates a lot of value like in my opinion i'm not taking deandre swift over you know digs i'm not not taking, you know, a, uh, a Miles Gaskin over over DeAndre Hopkins or or something like that, or you know, a Montgomery over one of those guys. I mean, I, I think. The mechanical thinking and the robotic thinking of take running back and running back and then go from there creates a lot of value because, you know, after you get to a certain amount of, uh, you know, to a certain point in running back, that there is value at other positions. Um, That that you could come back, I believe, in round three and four and get a running back. I believe that people are ridiculously taking in the middle to late of the second round. I don't know how you feel about that, but like, I don't know, like I don't want to be robotic and I don't want to be mechanical. And I think that's the thinking of all of these people in the a lot of these people in these snake drafts is. Go running back, running back, and then I'll take it from there. But in the meantime, I think that creates value at other positions and uh, certainly the opening for Kelsey and Hill and some other wide receivers who I think clearly are more important fantasy value-wise than those running backs that, you know, are best – average in my opinion so i think there are a lot of running backs that go well after where those guys are being taken that can easily outperform those other guys and i understand that the wide receiver position is extremely deep and talented but not everyone's in that top five to seven wide receiver grouping and uh that's an elite group of receivers and uh, i just don't think these fridge running backs should be going ahead of those wide receivers. And I see that happening over and over.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's mind boggling to me. You know, my opinion on the running back, uh, running back position. I, I, and if you look at, again, if you look at production and most leagues today are doing either PPR or half PPR, uh, which is getting a a half a point for a catch or one point for a catch. Uh, But you know, I just don't understand it. I don't know what's causing it, Wiz. Do you think, I'm curious, do you think it's because of all the plethora of injuries that we had last year at the running back position? or Is this almost like insurance policy where you're just making sure you get two, of the, two bodies and hoping that one is standing by the end of the year? Do you think that's kind of factoring into it? I don't know. I'm just kind of putting that out there. But I think when you look at running back position, in the NFL and when it comes to fantasy production, it has continued to get watered down and watered down. So I will not be
1: I will not be employing that
0: strategy. That that that's for certain.
1: Yeah, I think to your point, I think it's just more follow the leader. I think as each running back comes off the board, the next guy is thinking, oh, no, uh, I'm going to miss out on running backs. So now if I don't take one, I know everyone behind me is going to take one. And then with each running back it's taken, the same logic goes on and on and on all the way through midway through most of round two and i think that creates a lot of value and if you're thinking correctly and keep an open mind and don't panic and don't play follow the leader i think you could do very well just because people are 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 just mechanical i think with that running back running back position so uh you know i think everyone of these things is different. They're not the same, but I'll tell you when it comes to these snake drafts, you know, even though it's June now, like if I had my draft order pick and someone told me, oh, okay, you're going to be drafting ninth in the first round. I I would know right now in June within two or three players who I'm going to have to choose from and then start thinking about that. You know, that's the thing about these, these snake drafts. There's always something, maybe that could be a little bit of a surprise, but You know, for the first couple of rounds, I think, you know, you can project what's going to happen. So that leads me to my next point. When you have a sleeper, a guy that you know in an auction draft, you'd be able to get cheap. So it doesn't matter if you nominate him or someone else nominates him. That takes on a different dimension in a snake draft because you're never quite sure who's thinking the same thing you are about a particular player. Is it the guy right in front of you? Is it the guy right after you? Is nobody thinking about the player? That's the mystery about players that in an auction draft you don't have to worry about. So in a snake draft, you love a player. He's off the radar. How many rounds are you willing to jump up to just make sure you don't lose the player because of the unknown?
0: So this, this is a great, great, great question. And... Uh, I, I have a real life example and I think you know kind of where I'm going to go with this and I'm we're going to I
1: set you up Bert. I mean I gave you the I gave you the volleyball spike but no I mean it's an interesting question and it faces a lot of people but you had something like that so talk about that and then we can just have a general discussion about the topic
0: yeah and, and, I, and I think so coming into the season now, now unfortunately I made a huge error in a dynasty league where I didn't protect the player uh, but the player was Patrick Mahomes I, I had a view on on this player uh, in the season that Patrick Mahomes was actually drafted, uh, I drafted Patrick Mahomes in, in a dynasty league. I had a view that Alex Smith was going to be in the last year of, of being the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I had a view about what I thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be to the Kansas City franchise. Uh, ended up being correct on the view, which is which is a nice feeling. But going into that season, and we're talking about, uh, I guess we're talking about two thousand and. What year? 18 was? I think 18? I guess we're talking about 2018. And coming into that year, when you look at Patrick Mahomes, you know, mo- and I think in most instances, you-, you saw him in snake drafts or you saw him in preseason rankings ranked somewhere in the, you know, whatever, top 20, but... Latter half of he the was, top twenty. drafted two.
1: in two thousand and seventeen. Yep.
0: So it was the eighteen fantasy season. Yep. So right. so going into that season, I had a very strong feeling about Patrick Mahomes. He was the starting quarterback. Alex Smith was gone, uh, and I was taking Alex Smith. Sorry, uh, Patrick Mahomes in snake drafts, sometimes as early as the fourth or the fifth round. That's how str- so in in most snake drafts back then he was going in like rounds nine or ten. I think you had an example of this as well uh, in, in in an auction draft. Where where you got him? Sorry, yeah, in an auction draft where you got him really. Oh no, was it a snake draft where you hold the player value? I believe that was the case. Where I, if I'm not yeah, mistaken, I
1: got him in a snake draft where you could keep guys the following year. Uh, and, you know, at, if they're drafted after a certain round, that I got him in the uh, in the in the 13th or 14th oh. round, and I need was to say. Uh, the following year, I won the league. But, but yeah, so so in snake drafts, when you have that type of situation, because, you know, we went over about the auction scenario where you could do something about it. You don't have to nominate the player; Someone else can nominate them, and you get them for, you know, a, a, a great price. But in the snake draft, when you're sitting in and you're not sure about who's in on the same player, how early are you willing to gamble and move up for, you know, not, um, you know, not, not having to, you know, worry about, you know, him being taken after your spot, at you know, goes in a certain yeah, round. Yeah, so I, I would I would how say, how early are you willing to move up in that scenario? Yeah, definitely, de-
0: definitely two to three rounds, for sure, in my eyes, to make sure that you, you want that player, you want to get that player, you have a strong view on that player. I think two to three rounds. I think you you know there could be someone else. Look, you have to have the psychology. It's almost like blackjack where you think the dealer's got a a face card on the, you know hiding underneath. I think you got to believe that someone else has the same view on you. And information is more widely dispersed this day and age, so there's a lot more information out there on, on fantasy players and production, and what's going on in preseason and practices and stuff like that. But yeah, two to three rounds in my eyes is not is not ridiculous to kind of reach quote unquote reach for a player that you really desire in a fantasy. Football snake draft.
1: Yeah, I think you know. I I think that's right. I also think you know it's it's really you know you have to look at a draft by draft. What position is the player at that you have this view on, and how are you situated at that position as the draft is unfolding? If you have a need for that position and the player that you just absolutely love is at that position i could see how you know somebody could could be willing to like say okay yeah i'm I'm not going to mess around i'm going to move up and take the player so i think that's 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 always an interesting thing and it's always um difficult at a snake draft because you know you just not quite sure what's going to happen uh, before or after you. So you don't want to really risk it if you, if you really have a strong opinion, Uh, another scenario that comes up in snake drafts that I think are interesting is what do you do where it's coming up to your pick and it's, it's midway through the draft. You're kind of like around seven, eight or nine, somewhere around that spot and you need a tight end. And, you know, there are a couple of, good tight ends left you know and you, you know you could take one of those guys but you look over and there's been some horrible picks made and there's a receiver that should never be available for your pick when you're picking in a million years but because of some poor picks and whatever else has gone in that draft he's available so now you're left with a need at a position versus a player who you know you've drafted? You're happy with your receivers, but this player sticking out like a sore thumb. What do you do when your spot is up?
0: Uh, I I probably act like Jerry Jones did when uh, C.D. Lamb fell into his lap, uh, and and I take that player. Uh, I think I, I think when it comes down to it, when you're doing these snake drafts, you need to have an inventory built up at every single position. Because you do, you have to expect the unexpected. So you need to be looking ahead. So you be, need to look at, you know, hey, which five running backs are, of the five guys, when it comes my turn, I need a running back of those five guys that are left. Which one do I want? How do I how do I put them in order? And I think that's the same in every single other position. So if I'm left with a decision and let's say there's a wide receiver, let's say I'm high on, on, on Curtis Samuel. He's sitting out there and whatever, like the 10th round. I need a tight end. Uh, there's some good tight ends still out there. But I just decide, you know what? I need to have Curtis Samuel at that point. There's no way he should be available. You know, I take Curtis Samuel instead, and I just kind of take my chances and hope that one of those tight ends on my list, like whether it's a a Tyler Higby or a Noah Font or let let's say uh a Robert Tanyan if 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 Aaron Rodgers around and I, I'm able to get one of those guys next time around and I just take my chances on that. But I definitely have a situation where I'm looking at a grouping of three or four players knowing that if, if um, unfortunately I get to be wrong and that player is not going to be available next time around, I at least have something else to fall back on.
1: Yeah, I think uh you know I think that's a good point. You always have to when, it, when there's a few guys, you know, still waiting to pick ahead of you and you're picking in, let's say, three picks or four picks, you know, it, it's always, we always had, oh, my God, you know, I, I want this player and I need this player and, you know, I, I hope he's available. But you know, when it's a few picks coming up to you, you always want to have several backup plans and a grouping of players at a certain position. And you, you have to be able. You know, I want you to talk about this after um, after I bring this up. And isn't it important to be able to pivot during a draft? And maybe you're thinking you're going to go this way, and then something happens, and you have to be able to be flexible, not only be flexible but pivot at a moment's notice and change course based on what's happening. And um, and I just think people get so. F- lustered Um, and when I hear it all the time oh every pick I was about to make the guy in front of me or two picks in front of me took every guy well that's ridiculous you may have a guy that you like but you need to have backup plans and you have to be able to pivot and reverse and do all kinds of things at these drafts and and that's based on preparation which we're going to hopefully help everyone with Um, isn't the ability to pivot during these drafts and keep your composure um, a key factor in these drafts. Most definitely,
0: you, you 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 can't you can't panic. Uh, there are times. Look, we could be going into a snake draft with you and I next week. Uh, we're talking about running backs being taken in the first twenty out of twenty five picks. We go into that draft, and all of a sudden, that's not happening. Where there's a few quarterbacks sprinkled in, a few tight ends sprinkled in, a few elite receivers, and, and you and I will be sitting there saying, "Okay, uh, we, we've got a shift here because things things are a little bit different. The landscape is different than what we thought." That happens frequently, whether it's a snake draft or an auction draft, and you have to have the ability to be flexible and nimble. Human psychology plays an immense factor in these drafts. You know, i, I just touch upon a point that you made. Uh, you know, you see players, you, you'll see these runs on positions that go on in a snake draft where the first guy that or gal who throws out a defense, for example, and then you'll get a run on defense all of a sudden because people are kind of paying attention. Maybe they were sleeping on that. But I, I think you got to watch for that. You, you get these runs, these almost cycle logical runs and Pavlovian responses to what others are doing. I think you do have to stick to a game plan that you, as, as a fantasy participant, um, is going into it and, and what you're kind of holding to be your, your draft strategy. But at times, you have to have some ability to kind of maneuver uh, around the cabin, if you will. We've used that expression before here. And I think that's very, very important in all drafts because to, to expect the unexpected is a very important part of fantasy football drafts.
1: Yeah, another thing that I want to touch upon is awareness as the draft is taking place. And I'm going to give a specific example of when that could come into play. Let's say I I have the 10th pick in a snake draft with 12 teams, and it's in the 7th round. So it's coming up to me, so I'm going to pick 10th. And then the 11th guy is going to pick and the 12th guy. And then they're both going to pick coming back down ahead of me um, in the, in the, in the even round coming back and it's coming up to me and I need a tight end, tight end. And I need a, um, a quarterback. Well, One thing that you need to do is take a look at Team 11 and Team 12 roster. So if you need a tight end and a quarterback, now you're never quite sure 100% what they're going to do, but if you're midway through a draft and you need a tight end and a quarterback and and Team 11 has a quarterback and Team 12 has a quarterback, then – take the tight end because they may take that tight end so take the tight end first they're probably not going to take a quarterback with 11th or 12th or even the picks coming back and then take the quarterback with your second pick which will happen in five picks so awareness of what's going on around you especially if you have the ninth pick the 10th pick or the second pick or the third pick when it's coming around for those wraparound picks and you're deciding between a position think about what the teams are going to do after your pick right before your next pick which is only going to happen in four or five picks and don't you think awareness is something that you know it seems obvious and seems apparent that most people would do but something that seems people are either lazy or not aware of
0: yeah so you know for, for in basketball uh court awareness is something that uh, is brought up a lot and i, I think the example that you use is, is definitely representative of that, where you definitely need to be know what's going on around you, w- without a doubt, and whatever, whatever kind of draft that you're doing. And I think, uh, to your point, and I think it's a fair one, I think a lot of teams are just so focused on what they're doing, they get lost in kind of their own little planet or their own little world. And, and inability to kind of see what's going on around them, and that's just a mistake. You got to be able to walk and chew gum in these things. And I think you know the example that you use, where if it's a if it's a slam dunk case where you know that these guys already are. Uh, wrapped up at their quarterback position, uh, then, then it, and they need tight ends, then you absolutely have to take the tight end. So knowing what's going around, and we'll talk about court awareness when it comes to, to, to auction drafts as well, because there are so many different variables there because of the amount of different things that are going on there. But But in a snake draft, the same level of awareness, court awareness, if you will, has to be out there. You have to know what's going on around you, and you need to be understanding that you know something could change and and as a result of that you've got to you've got a shift and and I think looking at what's happening in, in those first couple of picks like you mentioned uh that, that after you make your pick and then it comes back to you you know with the likelihood that in one of those four picks these guys who don't have a tight end yet are going to be picking one so you better be sure of what you're doing when that when your when your chance comes
1: yeah, I mean, you you have to, you know, you just see so many people who, we have a friend of ours, you know, and, you know, we laugh about this all the time, that at an auction draft, he just keeps track of his own roster. And doesn't pay attention to what anyone else is doing, how much money they have left or any of that. And it doesn't really matter what kind of draft you're in. You have to be aware of everyone else's roster, what positions they need, when they need them. As compared to when you're picking and you know what you need, so uh, awareness, especially look if you're picking in those middle spots, if you're picking five or six or seven or eight or nine, whatever, it may be a lot of picks or maybe a little bit more difficult. But when you're getting to those wraparound picks and you're picking, you know, two, three, four, or you know, ten, eleven, or something like that, where you know, there'll be a few picks made going up and then a few more picks going back down until it gets to you. Knowing and looking at the other team's rosters is crucial to what you should be doing and you need to pay attention to that. And uh, it's, uh, it's just another part of drafts that I think people don't pay enough attention to that, uh, that uh, it can be costly on how your draft is going to wind up.
0: Yeah, so let me let me ask you this. Just shifting uh, shifting gears a little bit here Wiz. Uh, so positions that we don't talk as much about on on these shows, but we think they're equally important, but probably don't get the same level of attention. Uh, defense and kicker, and I think in the case of defense, we know how the rules of football have definitely catered towards offenses, but it doesn't mean that there's not some elite defenses out there. Uh, I think we've talked a lot about kicking uh, in, in the past in terms of when we have spoken about it. Uh, you know, I think there are those teams that are going to kick long field goals there are the teams that are the higher powered offenses they are the teams that are more inefficient in terms of their ability to score the ball when they're in the red zone uh, you know is it, it you know do you find in, in these leagues that it's almost like a slam dunk that you know at the end of the draft whatever let's say it's a it's a 16 round draft that inevitably in rounds you know whatever 15 and 16 it's all going to be defense and kickers that are being taken or you know again if you really feel that an, a defense is, is an elite defense uh, or, or a kicker is an elite kicker and can definitely make a material Difference in a weekend and week out basis on your fantasy lineup, are you willing to kind of reach up and, and kind of grab one of those players? Let's say in a sixteen round draft, where you're you know going for a defense, maybe that that, that you think is going to be really good, and maybe round ten or eleven, or, or a kicker as much as high as let's say thirteen or fourteenth round. I'm kind of curious how you look at those positions.
1: Well, look, you and I feel the same exact way about kickers and defenses. They Every league should try and distinguish a great kicker and a great defense from a terrible kicker from an average kicker and a terrible defense. The problem is most of these leagues do not. And most of these leagues will have, okay, you kick the 36 yard field goal, that's 3 points. You kick the 41 yard field goal, that's 4 points. You kick the 59 yard field goal, that's 5 points. How can a 41 yard field goal and a 59 and a 59 yard field goal only be one fantasy point different? That is absurd. So that's the reason why they go in the in, in rounds 15 and 16 or if you're drafting 18 players, 17 and 18, because leagues – they, they all want the scoring to be the same. And when it comes to defense, well, you only get bonus points if you pitch a shutout, or you'll get three bonus points if you hold a team till six points or less. I mean, do you see the offense that's going on in the NFL, the penalties? The, the, football has evolved. It, it's for scoring. They want teams to score. They want there to be points on the board. It's all in the f- favor of the offense so with that being said you should really try and differentiate in your scoring system defenses instead of making everything the same otherwise i don't even know why leagues draft kickers and defenses if they're going to try and make everything the same so first if you're in a league try and go to your commissioner or put a vote up to try and really distinguish kicking performances and defensive performances great ones from poor ones otherwise that's why they do it. You know, it's just the reason why they do it. Uh, it's the reason why all of these defenses and kickers will just be the last two picks taken because leagues don't distinguish uh, scoring performances from elite performances to poor performances. They're all the same, so there's no reason to go out and, and do that. But you'd be talking a different story um, <laughs> if you have a scoring system where it really you know, matters uh, with what kind of defense or kicker that you have, and uh, that's why in our league where we're doing an auction draft, uh, you see some defenses go for 6 7 8 $9 dollars because we reward great defensive performances as well as great kicking performances.
0: No, very, very very excellent point, very excellent point. So so Wiz, like when you when you look at, you know, I, I mean, I'm looking at this draft this year and I feel like when I look at all of the positions and and yeah, look, do I think Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback in fantasy? Absolutely, but when I look at the quarterback position, do I see values, you know, kind of between quarterbacks whatever, 8 through 15, yeah, I see a hell of a lot of value there. So, you know, I, I look at this draft this year uh, in, in particular. I, I think positions have gotten deeper and deeper. I, I cannot believe the depth at wide receiver. I would even argue um, all, all of the positions have, have significant depth depth to them. Um, and as a result of that, I think, you know, I, look, I want to make sure I get elite talent. And I think that's the one thing I, I would especially... In the in the eyes of the beholder, of course, but I think you got to make sure you walk away from your draft with four or five really elite players and then know that you use your talent to assess uh, the, the players that are out there and the depth that are at the positions. That to, to know that you can get some very, very valuable players late in your drafts, anywhere between rounds 10 and 16, there will be running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers that will make you a difference in your fantasy season. I just think the depth is out there and, and know that you don't have to panic completely uh, if you feel like you haven't ha- don't have enough at one position or another position, just to know that there are options that are going to be out there in these leagues. So Panicking is not something that you should be doing this year. There's a lot of depth out there. There's a lot of talent out there.
1: Yeah, agree. Don't play follow the leader. Have independent thinking. Don't be mechanical or robotic. Um, you know, and 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 go in there, and it's not—it's it's fine to go in there with a plan, but always be able to reverse and pivot, and uh, and and before you pick, have a few players in mind where if the one player that you like the most gets picked, you're not completely flustered and you make a big a, a poor pick after that. So have a game plan in, in mind as it's going around, and if you have one of those end picks, look at what's going on around you, look at what's going to happen after you make your pick, and uh, and be prepared. And uh, look, we're gonna, you know, there's there's a lot to talk about strategies of these drafts, and we're gonna, you know, have a lot of fun talking about auction drafts. But you know, the majority of people do snake drafts and there is thinking and there is strategy involved and uh and and preparation is important um and and hopefully we're helping as many people uh as we can with before these uh drafts start uh popping up in two months
0: yeah and and before we sign off with just on a topic of of strategy i I just want to bring up one other uh a point and i want to ask what your opinion is on this Uh, I think I am a little bit more of a believer in this. Uh, it, it, it's really dependent on, upon the team and the kind of the system that they play. Well, let, let's use Ezekiel Elliott as an example. Uh, I don't know. You take Ezekiel Elliott somewhere, I don't know, I guess somewhere between the fifth and tenth running back taken um, in, in a draft. It, that's probably a, a, a definite. But, but you get Ezekiel Elliott, and he's got a very capable backup, probably one of the most capable backups out there has value on his own as a player in fantasy but has immense value as if a player like Ezekiel Elliott goes down. Uh, so I guess I want to ask, are, are you, if you draft Ezekiel Elliott, are, are you, you know, speaking of moving up in, in rounds and stuff, are you going to try to lock yourself into the Dallas running back situation, making sure you get a guy like Pollard, maybe reaching for him a round or too early, knowing that you have him, or are you not going to be as worried about that and you'll kind of just deal with it and, and, and work through the depth at the running back position? Or, or do you feel it's a case where in some of these instances where there is a very capable backup where that player, if given the opportunity, can produce at or at around the same level as a player like Elliott in the case of Pollard, are you reaching for that player?
1: Yeah, I'm reaching in in that specific example. I'm reaching for Pollard because when it comes to these backups and handcuffs, like, I'm more interested in the guy that if he gets a chance, he's going to be able to do something about it. And Pollard's going to do something about it if he gets in there. Uh, you seem, you know, certain situations, like if I end up with Najee Harris of Pittsburgh, I could care less about the Steelers' handcuff or whatever or whoever it is or whatever the beat writer says. I could tell less about that. I'm not interested in that. So every case is different, and I'm more interested in um, – you know, if I have a Najee Harris, right, I'm more interested in Alexander Madison a couple rounds earlier than worrying about my horrible Steeler backup guy to Najee Harris, whoever that may be. So I think it's a case by case situation. I want a guy, if he's going to get his opportunity, he's going to get in there and do something about it. And Pollard is certainly a guy that can. And we'll do something about it if he gets his chance. So under that situation, absolutely, I'm trying to secure Pollard.
0: All right, fantastic. I, and I love your answer. I agree with it. And uh, look, a very in-depth discussion on, on snake drafts here. We're going to come back later in the week on auction drafts. This is the Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Always love talking football with Wiz. Uh, there are a lot of strategies to employ. Uh, I'm getting really excited just thinking about it. So Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, Apple Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Make sure you're subscribing. We're going to be putting out more and more content as the season as, as the preseason moves along hope you're enjoying it Wiz. Uh, the next
1: one is going to be the auction uh, draft strategy and you don't want to miss that one
0: no definitely not so Wiz I'll wish you a good evening and I uh, look forward to talking to you uh, later in the week about auctions
1: you thank you you do the same